Hello and welcome to episode 276 of SMARTS, which as you know stands for Sadly, Mirror's Activation Reveals Terrifying Secret. Ooh, Ooh. it's true. I am your host, Julia Gulia of Internet Fame Dash Podcaster, and with me as always is Trevor, aka Rudiger Q Podcaster. That's right, but I'm not the only one who's with you, am I? It's true. So this, this leads very elegantly into our news section, which is we're pregnant. Again, more, more than that, you're just about I'm, ready to pop. I'm just about ready to pop. <laughs> so the long and the the upshot of that is that episodes might be a little sporadic or possibly even non-existent for the next few weeks because recovery it's pre- pretty imminent. Yeah, very imminent. <laughs> I'm all out of breath and <laughs> waddling around everywhere and very happily nesting and yeah, we're just getting ready for the next little smarty to show up, right? Correct. <laughs> He's nodding. <laughs> I keep telling you, it's an audio medium. But yeah, so we just wanted to share another little smarty on the way. <laughs> Should we do our news? Yes. So this this week's news, I thought I would sort of turn into a bit of an activity because we actually have uh, six announcements of new projects from DC. Okay. And so I thought you could rate your excitement for them oh. based on what I'm about to tell you about them from one to five. Okay, okay, I'm ready. All right, so these are in no particular order. Uh, number one is a new Black Label project from writer Brian Azzarello who you know oh. from the Wonder Woman run, and he did a bunch of other stuff that you've read too. One of my favorite. An artist, Wonder Alex Maleev, um, who did the um, Event Leviathan series okay. with Brian Michael Bendis. Um, they're doing a series called Suicide Squad Get Joker, where Amanda Waller sends a version of the Suicide Squad that includes the Red Hood after Joker to kill him. Okay. All right. So this is going to be like a black label out of continuity thing. Sure. But how are you feeling? What's your excitement level about this? I'm four. Four? I love Suicide Squad, especially when it's really well written with Brian Azzarello at the helm. It'll be fine. Um, it'll be great. And uh, I like, I don't know, I like chasing the Joker. So <laughs> so yeah, four. Okay. So next, this one is maybe the one that I'm most, well, it's a, it's a, it's Wait, close yeah, race what about you? another one. Oh, am I rating them too? Sure, why not? Yeah, three, maybe three. Because I've read some stuff from Azarello that I really like, but I've also read some stuff that kind of left me cold. Mm. Um, he definitely has his niche. And I wouldn't have thought Wonder Woman was in that niche, but apparently it was. Yeah, so, so maybe good. he's got more range than I give him credit for. But I'd, I'd say three. So this next one I'm really excited about. This one is called Justice League Infinity. So basically, much in the same way that Batman The Adventures Continue was uh-huh. a continuation of Batman The Animated Series, uh-huh. this is a continuation of Justice League Unlimited. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be um, written by James Tucker, who, of course, was a writer, producer, director on pretty much all the animated stuff. So Superman, Batman Beyond, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. And scripted by J.M. DeMatteis, who's a fantastic writer, who's done fantastic comics, Justice League International, a bunch of other stuff going back decades, and wrote some of the better animated movies recently, too. And so they're going to be co-writing this together with art by various artists in the animated style uh-huh. but this is going to be a continuation of justice league unlimited <gasps> oh boy does this mean that we're not getting a, um a, an animated version of the show an animated continuation of justice league unlimited i mean the show's been off the air for 15 years at this point so, 15 16 years yeah. it seems it's unlikely it's unlikely i mean there well, was that I'm, rumor recently about a batman the animated series revival yeah. but i'm not sure how much stock to put in that no I mean, we did get that uh, Justice League versus the Fatal Five animated movie a few years ago that was technically in the same continuity because it had the same designs, same music, same actors and everything. Um, so you might want to continue that to be a continuation. This doesn't have that. That did, but this does not have the direct involvement of Bruce Timm. But James Tucker is like the next best thing because he worked on all those shows too. Ooh. So 
I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be great. I'm going to give that another four. <laughs> yeah, the cover shows you've got, you know, John Stewart with his shaved head and goatee and Hawk Girl in her, you know, yellow tracksuit like yeah. she had, you know, yep. in, the, in the later episode. So it's following off directly from the final episode of Justice League Unlimited where, remember, Darkseid and Luther were both like disappeared, enveloped, destroyed, whatever, transported somewhere by the anti-life equation. Yep. And a lot of villains had been killed in the battle with Darkseid and... You know, and that's yep. basically where it's picking up. So Darkseid is gone, but now there's this power vacuum on Apocalypse, and it's sort of picking up from there, apparently. Yep. Oh, wow. That's going to be awesome. Hmm. 4.5? 4.5? Okay. Yeah. You're, you're playing. You're being tough this I'm time. I'm being tough this time. Okay. So next one is, this is a- Are oh, you giving it a full five? I think I'd give that a five. Yeah. <laughs> so this next one is called Blue and Gold. Nope. Um, this is a Blue Beetle Booster Gold miniseries. Uh, written, written, and no, not drawn by. Written by uh, Booster Gold's creator Dan Jorgens, with art by Ryan Sook, who's awesome. He did the art on the recent uh, Legion series. Okay. Um, and this is basically going to be a Booster Gold Blue Beetle team up mini series. The the hook for which is uh, Booster Gold basically discovers social media and oh, discovers that no. he wants to be the next big social media thing, oh, but he doesn't really no. know anything about technology. So he enlists his friend te- friend Ted Cord <laughs> to like help him out. And they get into all sorts of like misadventures. Oh my god, that's so silly! I love it. I'm gonna give that another four. <laughs> yeah, I mean Dan Jurgens is like an old timey writer with, I mean, relatively speaking, um, with sort of like an old timey sensibility. Like his stuff is very generally very straightforward. Not yeah. a lot of like particular nuance or or like artistic heights to it. Right. But it's definitely like solid base hits. You know what I mean? So I, yeah, I think, and Ryan Sook's art is great and the premise sounds like a lot of fun. So I think this is going to be fun. That's awesome. Um, the next is a new Shazam miniseries Ooh. spinning out of um, uh, Billy Batson's role, which has been minimal so far because we've only gotten one issue, but his role in the current Teen Titans Academy series. He's, okay. a, he's a student there and we've barely seen anything of him in that. Like I said, right. we only got one issue and it focused more on the new characters. But apparently his what happens to him there will spin off into this miniseries by the same writer. And we'll feature him going through some sort of like magical puberty <laughs> where his powers are on the fritz and it has to do with like the next stage of his evolution as a superhero. Oh. And his family loses their powers and it all goes back to him and it's like everything is going Wonky. haywire with the with the magic. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Oh man, I want another four. <laughs> okay. What about you? Yeah, maybe three. I mean, I like the Shazam character. Um, so far, the writer hasn't really wowed me because the, his Teen Titan stuff has been good, but not like, spectacular really so far. Yeah. But so we'll we'll see. This next one is maybe tied with Justice League Infinity for my favorite. You know, this is the one you know about already. Superman, Son of Kal-El by Tom Taylor and John Timms. Yep. So this is going to be a relaunch of the ongoing Superman series. Action Comics will retain its current creative team but they're relaunching the superman series as a john kent series with him as a superman in the present Mm -hmm. and it's being written by tom taylor of suicide squad and nightwing and injustice you know fame um tom taylor's so i'm I'm, i mean he's currently one of my favorite writers so i'm i'm definitely and you can tell from from some from the when he writes superman i mean you you didn't read much of the injustice stuff but when he writes superman you can tell that superman is like his favorite character but he's only gotten to write superman in sort of dark dystopian alternate universe stories okay. where Superman sort of becomes the villain. Oh. Um, and now again, he's getting to write a Superman title, but it's not really starring Superman. But still, nevertheless, I think that getting him to write like a bright, aspirational Superman series is going to be fantastic. I mean, you see what he's doing with Nightwing as far as having like a so like a bright, optimistic, like so much heart in that. <laughs> yeah. and even though it's taking place in like a dark, crime-filled city, like 
you know, if he can if he can write Dick Grayson the way he's writing it, I think his John Kent is going to be fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to this one. So, so this would definitely be a five for me. It's a five for me too, actually. And I'm looking forward to it. The last one, this came out of, although I think this was rumored at some point over the last year or so, but this is a new miniseries, Superman and the Authority. So this is going to be written by Grant Morrison <laughs> with art by Mikhail Janin. So oh quite boy. possibly like one, wow. one of my favorite writers of all time and one, one of, of my, my favorite, favorite modern artists. artists. Yeah. Um, Superman and the Authority. So the Authority is, are you familiar with the Authority as a concept? No. It was the main Wildstorm team that had Apollo, Midnighter. That was where they first, oh. I mean, they first appeared in Stormwatch, which kind of evolved into the Authority. But the Authority was like Wildstorm's flagship superhero team, like their Justice League. Mm-hmm. And it had characters like Jenny Sparks and Apollo, Midnighter, the Engineer, characters that showed up in the Wildcats run you read a little bit of, like the Doctor okay. and the Engineer. Yeah. Um, uh, it was a huge hit and really, like it changed the whole landscape of superhero comics. They're hugely influential. And then, of course, when Wildstorm was absorbed by DC, those characters became DC characters. Um, now this is Grant Morrison coming back to the authority after like an aborted run, which only lasted two issues because of weird circumstances, um, writing a new version of the authority. So the premise here, this is going to spin out of events that are happening in action comics where, uh, a bunch of stuff where war world, as we saw in the future state stuff, war world, war world is going to be reintroduced. And there's going to be a bunch of prisoners there that Superman has to go and save. Yep. Um, but Superman, for some reason, decides to bring this new version of the authority with him instead of the justice league. Right. And so it's going to be Apollo and Midnighter. But it's also going to feature other DC characters into in this new authority. So there's going to be the Enchantress. There's mm-hmm. going to be a new Omac. There's going to be a new version of Light Ray. Right. So it's going to sort of be a mix of Wildstorm characters like Apollo and Midnighter and existing DC characters in this sort of new authority lineup teaming up with Superman right. and going to War World to sort of yeah. free everybody. Hmm. What's interesting here is that Superman's in sort of like an interesting Wildstorm-esque costume. Um but he's got gray hair at the temples. And so I'm like, if this is supposed to be in continuity, yeah. are they going to like, are they aging up Superman a little bit now that he's got like a basically adult son in the present continuity? Like is the mainstream version of Superman going to have gray hair now? Like I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to that, but that's a pretty big change. Yeah. Anyway, that's a minor thing that just everybody's talking about it because it's right there on the cover. Sure. Um, but Grant Morrison writing The Authority and Superman, of course, he's like probably my favorite Superman writer of all time. So him teaming up because he wrote All-Star Superman and he wrote JLA and, you know, the new 52 Superman run. Teaming him up with Mikel Janin and having him tell, like, this big space story with Superman and the Authority. Like, yeah. that's, I mean, I'm really looking forward to this one, too. What, how do you so feel about that? So that's a five that? for you? That would be a five for me also. It's a yeah. 4.5 for me. Yeah. I think my, my um, expectation is that this is going to be more up your alley than Grant Morrison's Green Lantern run. Because I think this is going to be more mainstream in its scope you know it's not gonna be right. trying to do a million different crazy sci-fi headspacey things this is just gonna be like a straightforward action because the 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 authority what they sort of pioneered like what's been called widescreen storytelling in comics yeah like big splash pages big horizontal panels usually with very little dialogue or sound effects so you sort of feel like you're looking at a movie basically right, right? right. um and that now we see a lot of comics particularly like you read a big fight in a team book and there's all sorts of like huge double page splash pages and huge horizontal huge panels with a lot of horizontal space like a widescreen right. movie picture with very little dialogue or sound effects where the characters are just fighting and but that didn't really exist before this right. you know so it pioneered that and so i think that this is going to be a very spartan straightforward yeah you know basic story but just told with a lot of skill by grant morrison that's my Expectation, and right. so I think it, this is going to be right up your alley as far as Grant Morrison is, Grant Morrison is concerned. More JLA and less, you know, 
The Invisibles, which you also haven't read, or right. or The Green Lantern, for example. So, right. So what's your what would you say for this one? Four. Uh, I did four point five. Okay, four point five. Yeah, this would be this would be because Grant Morrison is awesome. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Like, I mean, I, some of Grant Morrison's stuff was so over. It's not, it's my fault. It's not it's not his. He he can be very. Um, unreachable <laughs> to some people like me um some of his um green lantern stuff was just so far beyond my um comprehension <laughs> well i think i think the green lantern or expectation run, or anything like I think that the green you know, lantern particularly just maybe not for me would really have benefited from being read in a more in a more concentrated format okay i think that series really did not benefit from reading it once every once month every or so month. yeah you know, like maybe. i think if you'd read that as a book it would have made a lot more sense just because there were so many there balls were in the air. lots of balls in the air yeah and <laughs> actually going back to my pregnancy pregnancy brain is not a friend when you're reading a comic once a month and <laughs> trying to remember everything that happens in the thread so maybe that's on me but uh yeah no um yeah 4.5 mm-hmm. so should we move on to our comics of the week yes thank you for the news tivity yes so what was your comic of the week um <laughs> uh, i can't remember oh did i pick um justice league yes you did I, okay number 60 yes okay good i just read that off your notes <laughs> um justice league number 60 that was a lot of fun and i can't remember why but i was laughing for the whole issue and i can't remember well, black why. What adam happened there? naomi the yes. guy that's come from naomi's dimension then they all yes. go back to hall of justice and talk so, and they devise flash yes. devises a way of getting them all over there yes thank you for the cliff notes because that's exactly what it was for me the best part of this entire book was well first off i love seeing naomi she's she's really one of my top favorite new characters to exist and i really like her and every time i see her appear whoever's writing her really gets it i'm not sure she's been written by anybody other than bendis and walker so okay far. So well I that makes a lot of sense them. in that case that makes a lot of sense that continuity of care i suppose i should say um that that uh, has shepherded her character through these multiple appearances in multiple books. Um, it's really putting a strong footing in who she is, and I'm excited to see what she does and what else. And not only that, but it seems that the next adventure that they're going to face is actually a threat from her home world, which she has very little ties to because she's an orphan who was, you know, abandoned on this world to the care of strangers. Um, and in the hope that she could survive because their their home world was being completely decimated by a war um, by that ultimately was won by terrible, terrible people. So, you know, she doesn't really have a lot of ties to her home world. She barely knows anything about her birth parents. And now she has these superpowers that are going to come in handy. And Batman, oh my God. So, so why was I laughing? Why did I pick this? Batman was really cleverly written. Superman was very cleverly written. Green Arrow was amazingly written. Like all of these people were just so nicely <laughs> captured by whoever was writing the Michael Bendis you just said. Um this 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 writer really understands the voice of these characters. Like there were so many wonderful one-liners <laughs> from one character to another. Um even even with this new incarnation of Black Adam, which we're still starting to get to know, because he's less of a villain and more of an anti-hero, but he still very much marches to the beat of his own drum and really is kind of up his own butt in terms of being, in terms of ego. Um, but it's just so deliciously written, and the plot is really good, and the I'm excited to see the next door. She's this is really shaping up to be one of my favorite. Like I look forward to this comic whenever it comes out. Issues 
all yeah, the time. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, Bendis is always good at the quippy interplay between the brilliant, characters. But it's so deep. It's so my, deep. My concern would be that his young recent Young Justice series, there was, it seemed to, ultimately by the end of it, it seemed like there was so little had actually happened. And it just like, it just felt like in retrospect, it was nothing but quippy dialogue okay. and that's a common criticism against him this doesn't seem to be falling into that trap yet because there things are definitely moving forward yeah and moreover i would say that maybe it's because these characters are a bit more clearly defined as archetypes than yeah. the young justice characters are true but the quips seem to be less interchangeable like when yes. you're reading young justice like if if connor would say something versus bart versus tim Versus Cassie. Sometimes would you would be like, okay, well, the same. Right, because you know, they were Bart all... maybe has the most distinctive voice out of those characters, but it would kind of read the same, and you'd have to kind of follow the word balloon to like, wait, who's this pointing to? Because you couldn't yeah. tell. Yeah, whose sass was this the, just these now? These characters yes. are so strongly defined and so different from each other. Like, there's no mistaking a Black Adam line from a Naomi line, from a Green Arrow line, from, from a, a Batman, Batman line. line oh, right? my God. It's so, so true. So it, it, it's, I feel like it's playing to his strengths in that respect. So I think that it's really good. And the art. The art was fantastic. By David Marquez mm-hmm. is fantastic, who he's been working on. I love the pacing, Co-created too. Co-created Miles so Morales good. with him. They've been working together for a long time, so. The pacing was really intelligent, pacing too. Pacing very good. And the backup. I could see Justice it being League, like a live action. And the Justice League Dark backup yeah. by Ram B and Zermanico, the great story with this version of Merlin coming mm-hmm. and Etrigan, like, having to hang around with the heroes more and Zatanna sort of taking the lead of the team. So far, it's been, like, just, like, eight-page chunks at the back of the issue, so right. it's m- moving relatively slowly. But I know that Ram V and Bendis have some plans to shake up the traditional format of the book. Like right. one month you might get Justice League Dark might be the main story and right. Justice League might be the backup. Other issues, the plot might might plot threads might continue from the main story to the backup. Or you might have the two stories cutting back and forth right. with different writers and artists alternating pages or something like right. that if the stories converge. So they're kind of planning on breaking the format in a way that Maybe other main story backups, like say Joker with the punchline backup, aren't right. really planning on converging in that way. At least not in a direct handoff from one to the other kind of way. So right. that's fun that they can kind of play with it that way too. Yeah, I think this is shaping up to be a really good run so far. And and I remember reading because I remember thinking this really seems like like they're going to Naomi's world. This really seems like it should be the premise for Naomi season two. Right. But then I read an interview with Bendis where he said, yeah, it was going to be, but Jamal Campbell. His commitment to Far Sector ended up taking longer than anybody thought. Yeah. You know, like that was basically a whole year or more because it's 12 issues and they did the art on every single one. Right. So Naomi Naomi season two isn't happening for, you know, probably another six months at least. Yeah. Because Far Sector has another issue or two left and then it's going to take him a while to, you know, take him a while to brainstorm and develop Naomi season two, not to mention actually write and draw and publish it. Um and but he wanted to continue moving Naomi's story forward. So I think now he's got a new idea for what Naomi season two is going to be. Yep. But the, what the story now that would have been like the obvious continuation of season one, them going to her home, is happening here, which makes I feel like in a way more sense because she wouldn't really go by herself. That would be really no. foolhardy. And yeah. if she's going to bring other superheroes, that's less of a Naomi story and more of a Justice League story. Right. You know. So. Yeah. But he chose to write her into this series. He could have not done that. Yep. And then, you know, the yeah. story could have continued there. But he wanted to include her here to sort of elevate her, I feel like. And I, the story I really agree. lends itself to a big team. Not only that, anyway. but because she's because of where she is, like she spent I, I, I like her journey so far very much because she spent some time among her peers. She, you know, pitched in. She knows her own worth as a superhero. Um 
you know, and she's still discovering things. So she's in that beautiful in-betweeny phase where she knows she has powers. She knows she has the strength to use them, but she doesn't know the full scope of her abilities and she doesn't know where they all come from and all that stuff. So there's part uncertainty and humility and part um, growth. One of the things I really like here, and it's very and, subtle, is there's a couple of instances of Superman just in the, just yes. in the background just sort of smiling. Yeah, and I and I really feel and there like, was a smile with Batman too. Oh my God, it was so well, good. But the Superman thing is Let great because yeah. he he takes a great deal of pleasure uh-huh. and and pride might not be the word, but seeing a young a a, a young good person, a kind person. discover discover their powers yep. and discover who they were meant to be, yep. and discover like they have because you know he relates to it right. Like yep. there's someone who thought they were normal growing up in a small town. They just they discover they come from this bizarre heritage that gives them powers and yeah. means they have this big destiny is basically what happened to him kind of right yeah. and so he's looking at this person and seeing another adopted kid how yeah. well she's handling it yep and how and how strong she's being and how brave she's being yep. and it just fills him with the sense of like you know this things so are good right. things are going to be okay things you know like okay. it, it's i wasn't a fluke other people out there are capable of and rising I love to the, the same callback too because batman in one of the first appearances of naomi in the naomi series i think if i'm not I mistaken think that might have been in one of the Superman titles. Okay, maybe. I don't remember. But for a it was while, one Bendis was writing Naomi and yep. the Superman titles and Young Justice, and right. she was in all of them. So it's I, true. So it blurs together for me a little bit. I well, think that was in one of her You Superman know exactly where I'm going with this. There was an appearance where, and this kind of calls back to it in this particular issue, so it's related. But the first time that I saw Batman interact with Naomi, he was sort of pushing her buttons just a little bit, sort of kind of testing her. And there was this one panel where she... <sighs> just i don't remember the verb the verbiage um but the way she handled one of batman's questions of like what are you going to do with all these powers or what are you going to do if this person comes back or what are you going to do if faced with this kind of crisis it was kind of like an interview like it was a it was a hardcore character interview um of who who she is like without the powers who this person is that was just gifted these amazing powers and um and she said i don't something to the effect of bring it on or something that strong and the following panel was just this slight close-up this close-up on a slight smile from batman which is hard to get and i just love that moment well, so much that's... and then you see it here in this episode too because she kind of does a similar thing um because they have to go back to her broken home world to fix this threat to to try try to prevent it maybe even shut the door between those realms so that no more threats can come to and and threaten i've used threats too many times but threaten the earth that we live on um and she has to be the guide because she's the only one that has any ties to it and she's like but i don't know anything about anything like i literally spent all of maybe 15 minutes interacting with it and all i got was a glimpse um and uh you know somebody gives some pushback and she says okay you know whatever well i'll just i'll just make it happen um and you see another proud that same panel that had superman smiling and full of pride and satisfaction at seeing a young person own their power own their own strength and i'm not talking about superpowers i'm just saying strength like a character fortitude the same moment the same panel on the other side was batman with that same tiny tiny smile and i was just loving it i was just loving it so this is what i'm talking about the art the pacing um the character beats just you know chef 
chef fingertip kiss Mwah, perfection i just love it i'm looking forward to the next one very much mm-hmm so I picked Nightwing number 79, second <laughs> issue by Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo. This was a close second for this me. This is continuing to be, I mean, this is just pitch perfect for me. I mean, yeah. the art the art is beautiful. The writing is fantastic. Such a great character. So many, like, great, just great images. Like, obviously, you mm-hmm. do the thing where he's doing the flippy dips, and you see multiple images of him in different poses as he's transi- as he's moving through the page, either during a fight scene or just jumping off buildings. Um, so the art is fantastic. Such great character acting, such great posing, such great composition. They do some really interesting things with the art in a few places, like little inventive things. The writing is fantastic. He's got a fantastic grasp on Dick. His relationship here with Barbara is great. Um, the whole thing with the the uh, Zuko's daughter sort of becoming the new de facto mayor is interesting. Mm-hmm. There's a whole thing in this issue about like this group of street punks that like steals his wallet and then they yeah. uh, they end up uh accidentally messing with zuko and moroni salvatore mm. moroni mm-hmm. um and he has to like track them down and like save them but also like he wants his stuff back but he finds they're living in like this kid's hobo jungle basically because um, all the all the grown-ups seem to be gone it's not a, it's not so much yeah it's um it's like um um a homeless community that sort of banded yeah. together, but all the grown-ups seem to be missing from this homeless community. So that brings well, up and, a whole and then bunch there's of the thread too. of so he there's this great scene where uh, he's trying to figure out what to do with all the money Alfred left him, and a, a father and son come up and ask if he has basically any spare change, yeah. and, he, and he's like, "Yeah, here you go." And he's like, "Oh, wait a minute, get all of your friends together, yeah. come to this pizza place. I'm going to buy everybody anything they want." You know what yeah. I mean? It's like a whole party for for like him and all these other you know unfortunate people. Um, and then, if, unfortunately, the son, the father and son get accosted by this weird criminal on, on the way home. And the son, yeah. the father tells the son to run. And he's basically like his heart is removed by this criminal. Yeah. And there's like, so this is like the new serial killer going around, I guess. Um, but this sort of puts the, the his Dick's actions there, you know, with the pizza place. And then later seeing all these kids yeah. give him an idea of what to do with Alfred's money. And it ties in so perfectly, not just to his character, but sort of thematically what Taylor's been setting up with the various flashbacks to his younger days mm-hmm. and the way that people have always helped him. Like his relationships with, it's, it's so great. I mean, he's not the first person to strike upon this theme, but his relationships with other people have always been defined by like catching people when they fall, yeah. right? Like obviously there's literally his his youth as an aerialist, yes. right? But then there's later after his parents died and Bruce sort of caught him and he and Alfred became surrogate fathers for mm-hmm. him. And then, you know, going throughout time, like his, his time with the Teen Titans, yeah. you know, like when he struck out in his own after he and Bruce had their fight, the Titans were there for him and supported him. Like people have always caught him and supported him and been there for him and yeah. saved him from falling through the cracks. And now he realizes that's what he wants to do for Bloodhaven. Yeah. He's not going to like give all the money to you know, medical research or, or to hire more, you know, to like root out corruption in the police force while those would be worthwhile goals. Yeah. He's decided what he wants to do is catch people who otherwise would have fallen through the cracks. Young people, I feel like specifically, right? Yeah, yeah. So whether he's going to start, and there's, there's been other stories that have kind of dabbled with this kind of thing before because he's often had means, even though even, typically it's coming directly from Bruce and like his sure. you know, stipend or inheritance yeah. or whatever you want to call it. There's been times when he set up like youth centers mm-hmm. or like, he runs a gym that the kids can come to or whatever. It's not an entirely original thought, but it's just all tied together. So, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun for these characters that have been around for 80 years, right? True. Um, but it's all in the execution, right? And it just feels so heartfelt and it's done so beautifully and it's so, the character work is so fantastic. And, not, you know, you got the little dog and everything. What more could you want? It's just so far these, these have just been two perfect Nightwing issues. That's so nice. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. 
So should we move on to our shows? We kind of did our activity with the rating of the the DC News. Yep. So we've got new episodes of Supergirl, Black Lightning, and then the final episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, crazy. So Supergirl, this was Lost Souls. So the threads here basically are, we kind of get the conclusion of the everybody in the real world uh, or, you know, the Earth dimension uh, chasing down the phantoms and stopping them. Yep. Um, And then we get in the phantom zone, Supergirl and her father and um, the the imp princess Nixie or Nixley or something mm, like that. Yeah. Um, they it's like a couple of fetch quests basically, mm-hmm. but the, where it ends up is you know they think they found a way home. Her father has to be left behind, and then it turns out that that the princess has been deceiving everyone and manipulating them, and actually was the one that attacked her father and yep. injured him, uh-huh. so that he could get Kara. She can get Kara alone now. She's going to follow Kara back to her to earth and wreak havoc there and i kind of suspected she that she might home, not yeah. be but then Kara you, you called it basically you destroys I, I was wrong <laughs> basically destroys their way home yeah. seemingly the only one that they know of in yeah. order to prevent her from going to earth and hurting people and now they seem to be trapped there and maybe her father is buried underneath the rubble who knows yeah um and then on earth like i say the stop the phantoms there's some some nice character moments there um Brainy gets some nice character moments. This is sort of the first episode where Lena gets to be an actual part of the team instead of just stopping by to yes. help them. Like this is her job now since she mm-hmm. left. Uh, is it LexCorp? Is LutherCorp here? Yep, right? LutherCorp. Um, mm-hmm. So this is like her job now. Who's paying these people? I or know, where right? they? How they get money to live? It's yeah. all unclear as it is in most superhero shows. Yeah. Um, like who's paying the people at Star Labs? Who knows? Question mark. They seem to have lavish apartments, but who knows? Um, they but, sell drugs on the side. I yeah, don't know. But, it's, but it was a good episode. And I think that the setup for the next one is fun, too, where they've got to go back. And t- it's going to be a fun time travel episode where they've got to go back to Midvale during uh, Kara and Alex's uh, youth to yep. get some of Kara's blood because they need to use – they can possibly use that to, like, home in on her in the Phantom Zone. Right. In oh, vague, I thought, I thought it was – ways. I, it wasn't the blood – oh, DNA. It's, they need her DNA, right? Oh, Okay, I you thought... You would think there'd be easier oh, yes, ways to get yes. her DNA? I know, right? Like, didn't she... A hairbrush, she... maybe? Like I in know. that next-gen episode where they got some of Dr. Pulaski's hairbrush to, to reverse her super-fast yeah. aging? Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was a fun episode. But I think the, the, the setup for the next one, the fun time travel episodes are always... Like Back to the Future where they got to like sneak around and don't can't let anybody know they're there and sort of like step between the... You know, tiptoe between the pages of history, so to speak, and not upset things too much. It should be fun. Yeah. Um, Black Lightning, The Book of Ruin, Chapter 3... Um, yeah, this was, this moves everything forward. Um, there's, there's movement with, um, figuring out who the mayor's killer is with Jennifer adapting to her new body. Uh, mm-hmm. the painkiller cast, uh, shows up for a yeah. brief cameo that yep. sort of ties into what TC is doing. Yep. Um, the whole thing with Jefferson being accused of embezzling money from the school and like the fbi yeah. raid his house and yeah. he's like not allowed to go and they freeze all of his assets and it's and- all rigged too because uh whoever the meta was was controlling the fbi officers so it doesn't seem yeah like the, the point man on the raid was controlling right. them i mean the raid still would have happened it's just that they really escalated they, yes, they all they raised their guns i think tobias whale was probably hoping that jefferson would put put up a fight yep. and it could mm-hmm. escalate into a, a shootout you know yeah um yeah, I'm not sure I have a time to say about this one. It was it was another good episode. It was a good episode. This yeah, this one was definitely fun. Um, I don't really have a lot to add. I just I, I'm enjoying the show. I think it was interesting development, and uh, all the plot threads were really rewarding. Yep. yep. So Falcon and Winter Soldier. This is the the finale series so, finale so... season finale. Who knows? Yeah. Question uh, mark. One world, one people. 
Um, so I think that after seeing this one, I think my feelings on the series are a bit more mixed than they were huh. of, about WandaVision. Okay. So overall, I really liked it yeah. because I think that the things that were good about it were so good that in my mind, they outweigh all the other stuff. And the stuff that I would say that it was really good or near perfect is the the performances and characterization of Sam and Bucky in particular, yep. and especially the way they play off each other. Yep. Although I do f- agree with some of the criticisms that they could have ha- had more scenes together, especially early on. It was like halfway through the series sure. before they were actually yes. teaming up with any regularity. And when you only have six episodes, that doesn't leave you with a lot. No. You know? Yeah. Um, I think that the, the, the race stuff was handled... Very, I mean, from my perspective, what do I know, right? But from right. my perspective, I thought it was handled very well. It was sort of further than I would think they would go in like a Marvel Disney mm-hmm. property as mm-hmm. far as like making the points very stridently. I thought all the stuff with Isaiah, with Carl Lumbly's character was done very, very so well. Nicely. That was great. I thought Sam actually becoming Captain America was done really well. Although to me, it was like a little abrupt at the end because they set it up so well at the end of the last episode. But that's when he just like, there's no, there's like kind of a big hero shot. But he just shows up, flies through the window, and it's like poorly lit, and you can't really see his costume great at first. And he's like, "Oh, I'm Captain America," and I'm like, "I saw a grand entrance where he like say, you know what I mean?" It was I a could, grand entrance. What are you know. talking it about? Could have been, I, for me, it was awesome because it could have like, been a little grander. Remember the how thing last at the time... end where he has Carly in his arms yeah. and he's floating down almost like in an angelic way into yeah. the crowd, like that, something like that, like that. That's an image, you know. That's that you're an like, image. Him flying through a window and rolling and fighting Batroc for five minutes is not. Like the first no, entrance of Captain but America. but that's the that first I... time I saw the suit in its entirety and it was awesome. Yeah, I like the suit. I like the design. To me, the material seems a little squishy in places, yeah. it, which makes it look a little cheaper than it is. I understand why practically for him versus like Steve, why you would want it to right. be a little bit more maneuverable because yep. he's a different sort of, he moves differently and fights differently. Yep. So I thought all that was, I thought that, like I say, the race stuff is good. I think that the costume looks great. I think obviously the music and the cinematography and everything was great. Um I think that though they dropped the ball a little bit when it came to some of the like the the plotting and some of the supporting characters I feel like could have been done a little better. I think the the um the idea behind Carly and the Flag Smashers is really interesting. Like what they want and yeah. and Carly's character is like a young not anarchist necessarily, but like a young idealistic yeah. person who's like gradually slides down the slope of like more and more radicalism you know, radical or yeah. terrorism acts in trying to achieve a noble goal um and having and as far as the casting for her is concerned i understand what they were going for with someone who's supposed to be young kind of like the girl next door yeah but also very strident and passionate about her goals but still coming off perhaps a little naive but but I, I do agree with what some people said where it just, I don't know, I'm not sure I buy that she has like the charisma or force of will to get all these people to follow her and like murder people basically. They I, sold... I didn't quite buy that from her, from okay. the actress. And I also feel like, the uh, and, and then I feel like that plot, yeah like by the end, it wasn't quite Hayward from WandaVision where yeah. he goes from being sympathetic to like shooting at kids, but it, it was almost there. Like she's sympathetic at the beginning, but then she's like, Burning people, al- burning people alive. Well, that in was bands that was a, and well, that was a distraction tactic. She does said, that "Make it better, though." No, it does because she, she wasn't actually, intentionally. She didn't want them dead. She was just willing to kill them to just, distract the superheroes. No, she wasn't willing to kill them, but well, she was willing to put she them didn't in danger because they weren't she going knew, to survive. No, but she knew that. No, she she knew that uh, Bucky would have no in choice. Theory. But to, well, that's exactly what it but was. But a million things could have gone wrong. It could have ignited the fuel tank. And it could have ignited the fuel in the car, and it could have gone up an explosion. She, I don't know. She was they da- lit up the side. She of was the endangering car. the lives. She was willing to. She was willing she to was. kill innocent people because just to 
And and her yeah. goals didn't even make a lot of sense because she kills all these people. What does it do? It delays the vote for like a week until they yeah. put new delegates in there, delegates in there, and then they just and are those even delegates more are even more hard, you know like you and, know, I heels that, in the and I get that yeah. her her goals weren't supposed to make perfect sense because she was supposed to be this young dumb kid. Yeah, but that doesn't make for uh, to me as compelling a villain if she's just some young dumb kid who doesn't really know what she's doing. Like that's not so the ideals behind what they were yes. fighting for I thought were really intriguing in this new post blip world. Agreed. And like the geopolitical landscape it set up was interesting, but I didn't feel they did enough with it. Zemo was great. But then he, yeah. his character just sort of disappears. I mean obviously we know where he went, but yeah. he's such a non factor in like the second half of the story. Walker's character, I feel like could have done with a, with more scenes because he's introduced in a very sympathetic way. And then it feels like they do the heel turn super fast. Yeah. And then they try to humanize him a bit more near the end. Yeah. And he shows up to help out and all of a sudden Sam and Bucky are cool okay with, with him. Yeah. Even though he was literally about to kill them and he one episode ago. Somebody? Yeah. yeah. Like, I get that this is superheroes and your your enemy one day is like your teammate the next. And and that's just the way superhero stories often are. Yeah. As soon as someone shows they want to do the right thing, all of a sudden all is forgiven. Yeah. Um, But it was jarring for me in a series that is about this kind of thing. You know, like your actions having consequences, you know, and and atoning for the past and the sins of the past coming to roost in the the present. That's what part of what the series is all about. And then at the end, he, you know... Then Julia Louis Dreyfus' character, maybe it's unfair because we were supposed to meet her seemingly in Black Earlier. Widow already. Yep. But a scene with her and Walker at the end is just weird. Like, why is she why is he dressing up in his new costume at the Court the courthouse that where he was stripped no of it. But you know why it is? No. It's because that was the only set that they could sneak Julia Louis Dreyfus onto oh. secretly so that the paparazzi wouldn't realize she was going to be on the show. And so all of her scenes took place in that same location, oh. both in episode five and in episode six. Oh. But I shouldn't have to know or care about that. It doesn't right. make any sense no. as presented. Exactly. Um, and then, like I say, so I feel like his character was done a bit of a disservice because I feel like kind of they were just rubber banding back and forth between he's a good guy, now he's cartoonishly evil, now he's a good guy again. You know what yep. I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so I think that for me, the good outweighs the bad. The good being like the way it handled the socio-political commentary, the performances, and the relationship between Sam and Bucky and their development. Yes. I almost like Bucky's arc in the series more than I Sam's. Know. I feel like Sam is sort of sort of like realizing what he had to do but Bucky was kind of like his character really evolved Sam's character yeah. at the end in the beginning basically the same guy he just realizes what he has to do yep right Bucky's character really changes and evolves I like know. you see him laughing and smiling dangling the kids off of his metal arm at the <laughs> end at the cookout he's not the same guy that he was no, at the beginning like no. he has a great he had a great arc in this show yeah he did um so that's sort of my feelings I feel <laughs> the like arm thing now, cracks me up now a lot of people online are saying that it's if not unfair to criticize the, the plot uh-huh. Um, then at least one needs to consider the fact that it, apparently, according to rumors, the plot had to be changed drastically after COVID. Because apparently what the original idea was, was that the Flag Smashers would get a hold of this virus and cause a global pandemic. Oh. Their goal would be to kill close to half of the world's population oh, to return no. things to the way they were right. during the blip. Uh-huh. But then obviously COVID hit and the idea about having a global pandemic, pandemic. that was engineered and yeah. released on an unsuspecting populace, not only do people not want to be reminded of a global pandemic when they watch TV, you also probably don't want to reinforce the idea that it could be engineered a ma- and man-made yeah. and a conspiracy, right? Yeah. So they were forced to retool, reshoot, ADR, remove scenes and that's why the flag smasher stuff doesn't feel super well developed and why 
Carly's surrogate mother just like dies off screen of a mysterious illness. She was supposed to be a victim of this virus. Oh. And then Carly gets a hold of the virus and releases it onto the world in her grief to get but you don't get any of that here, obviously. She just dies. We never really know anything about her. We don't get any scenes with her, and it's because all that had to be cut. Right. And that's why the Flag Smasher stuff seems a little undercooked. Now, the writers and showrunners have come out since then and said that no, that was never the plan. The only stuff that was retooled after COVID was they went back and they like added one or two more scenes to flesh out Walker's character a bit more and to flesh out Carly's character a bit more. I think the scene where she talks with one of the other Flag Smashers about what you know when they got the serum and right. i think it's the scene where they're talking about where the guy says oh i looked up to captain and, and, america I and think she, I think the that, same one where she was a teacher or she yeah to be i a think teacher. one of those okay. yeah so i don't know i i'm not saying that the writers are like outright lying but there's so much smoke around the there was going to be a pandemic storyline and then they cut it fire who knows maybe they didn't shoot all that stuff and scrapped it maybe that was just one of the earliest plot ideas it was an early script treatments or something in that leak regardless i do feel like at some point plans change because i do feel like the flag smasher carly stuff just kind of like it wanders for a while and their their goals never really feel epic enough or make a ton of sense whereas what i just described to you feels like it's both more epic and makes more sense right Right. like oh we want to return things to the way they were during the blip let's try to delay this vote no like you would i mean if you're willing to go that far you would want to kill half the people on the on the planet right yep. now obviously that's cartoonishly evil yep. they would have needed who knows if they could have written that convincingly and still made her even halfway sympathetic anyway i'm i'm putting it out there i don't know what's true or if the truth lies somewhere in between but i do feel like to me like the carly stuff and the flag smasher stuff and also walker's arc a little bit feels like inelegant mm-hmm. perhaps in some ways but like i say and this is i'll, I'll let you speak here but i mean this is my long way of saying but i feel like the stuff that does work works so well yeah that what you're left with it for me what i'm left with it oh and we didn't even mention the sharon stuff which also doesn't seem to make much sense no right and i think that also you could also see Reddit that it says that because, she's a scroll <laughs> because she's tied into the carly stuff yeah that the reason why sharon stuff seems like it comes out of nowhere and makes a little sense is because a lot of that stuff had to be cut too yeah i don't know Maybe that's not true, but it certainly seems like a very neat explanation that explains pretty much every problem with the plotting in the show, all all in one fell swoop. Right. So it almost seems like it works too well not to be at least partially true. But again, who knows? We haven't even talked about the Sharon stuff. But anyway, right. I feel like though the stuff that does work well enough, like like with any like buddy cop story, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. The villain, the exact plot of the thing. Right doesn't matter as much as like whether you enjoy watching the main characters bounce off each other and watch their witness like the however many lethal weapon movies there were i was literally about to say the same thing i kind of defined it witness lethal weapon yeah butch and sundance (laughs) lethal weapon whatever you know example you (laughs) want to use um but yeah but i feel like the relationship between sam and bucky is so wholesome by the end of this that it really just boys the whole thing you know yeah what do you what do you think what, what was your feel i feel like you're you were more positive about it on first blush than i was have you i i was i mean i i see the criticisms and i know that it's just i i i was on board for her because she uh for carly the the criticism was against carly didn't really land that hard with me i can see what people are saying um that maybe she doesn't have the charisma to actually be a leader of an entire movement like this but at the same time, when I saw her speaking publicly, like those scenes, they did her credit. Those scenes where I she was the actress acquitted the people, herself well, particularly in those scenes. Yeah. But I feel like in a lot of other scenes, 
she comes across as more whiny and short-sighted. Towards the end, than, she was more petulant. You know, yeah. towards the end, she was sort of grasping at straws. But that made sense for me because it I was makes, thinking it, it does right. make sense, and it works on the page. Right. I'm just, I'm just. I think there was a better. There was a better story there, or a better direction for her. I mean, character. she and she was losing. She was losing. Um. 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 She was losing clout with her own people towards the end. Yeah, you remember that one scene? But where that doesn't like, exactly okay, sell your big villain as a threat when she's like, "Okay, guys, here's what we're gonna do," yeah. and everybody's like. It doesn't exactly make them seem like a charismatic leader. You know what I mean? Mm. So I feel like the show itself was undercutting her her leadership and her abilities by the end. I thought it was more a statement on her... Yes, de-evolution. she was going too far. She was unraveling. She Mm -hmm. was losing. Like, but again, like it works when you describe it. It works to me, but I just feel like the way it was presented just made it feel like she was more, and I'm sure and she doesn't alone. even yeah. have like a big climactic she doesn't go out in any cool way she just Sharon shoots her a couple of times and she says I, I'm sorry to Sam and dies I'm sorry for what I guess your whole life your whole plan now you're like, like I, would you sorry. really be like I don't know like she just she went out like a punk she didn't really accomplish anything her goals didn't make any sometimes sense sometimes de- death is just that stupid like, yeah, I, I know. know, but but there's also it, the rules of dramatic okay structure, me. right? Like if your main villain yeah. is going to go out like a punk at the, in your final episode, it kind of makes the whole thing feel a little underwhelming to me. Yeah, yeah. But the the Sam it stuff, wasn't as bad as Osiris. The Sam stuff is, works so well on the, the the sort of the speech she gives yeah. to the senator there. Yeah. Why is the senator also a delegate in some international coalition? Who knows? I don't know. But the the way the speech he gives there with everybody so the cameras watching and you cut to Isaiah and he's and it's exactly what we talked about I last was week. Saying, where I was he's saying like, mm, TV maybe this kid's got something. And then there's yep. a scene at the end which is fantastic. That's so where he good. brings them to the Smithsonian. The one thing that I also saw somebody say which I agree with is that I feel like you don't need Sam's line there. It's too much. It's unnecessary. Huh? It's the it's the you know where where he says there's the now nice nobody music. will ever now forget nobody will ever yeah. forget you ever. You don't need that line. You just need you don't you don't need a no, word. Right. He walks in. He sees the plaque. He tears up. Sam's he like understands. that's right, and they hug each other. Yeah. You don't you don't need that line. It's inelegant. You know what I mean? And there were moments like that where yeah. it felt like you just needed another pass. You needed someone to go through like don't need this, don't need this, don't need this, because the performances. The characters are so well drawn, and the performances are so great. So good, you get it all in Carl Lumbly's performance. You really do. You don't Show need, not tell. You don't need Sam to state yep. the stakes. This is so people will not forget you. It's obvious. You know yep. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's like little moments like there where I just feel like, in, it's inelegant. You mm-hmm. know, it could have used one more pass. Now, on the same day that this aired, you get the story breaking in the Hollywood Reporter that the showrunner for this show is going to be has been tapped by Marvel to write. The next Captain America movie, starring Anthony Mackie. Now everybody likes this. Yep, I I like it. (laughs) Some people have qualms about the writing in this series, and so maybe they kind of wish it was you know the same people that wrote the other Captain America movies. Although they're like they wrote like seven Marvel movies, so I feel like they're done. (laughs) Yeah, I would say though that perhaps the issues with the script here are probably more unique to. A tele- like this particular television structure, perhaps. Maybe, like yeah. if this had had more episodes or if COVID hadn't hit or whatever, those aren't issues that they're going to face with the movie. Mm-hmm. Plus, I feel like the movie has more eyeballs on it. Like Kevin Feige is probably going to be more involved and so on. Like I feel like the movie is going to be more polished. I think so. I think that this this writer has got a fantastic Voice. Sam Wilson Captain America yes. movie in him. Yeah. I feel like this wasn't it. This was like you know, a single, whereas you want the next one to be a home run. But I feel like he's got that in him. You know, I'm yeah. using a lot of baseball analogies this I'm, weekend. I'm very surprised. Um, but I feel like, but I think, I mean, we talked about just last week, you don't want Sam's Captain America to be consigned to 
the TV ghetto, so to speak, to, to put it yes. bluntly. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want you want him to be the Captain America in the movies. And yes. it feels like, and it looks like we're getting it now. Now, humorously, Anthony Mackie was like, this is news to me. I didn't know I was going to be in a Captain America movie. So this is all very early, right? This yeah. is probably yeah. years away, yeah. if ever, three, yeah. four years away, probably. Stay in um, shape. <laughs> because we know where the next few years of Marvel movies and TV shows are, yeah. and this wasn't listed, yeah. right? We're going to be getting Blade and Fantastic Four before we get this. You know what I mean? Literally, because they've announced true. those movies. They haven't announced That's this. That's true. This Although, is... this wouldn't be the first time that they've rejiggered the schedule. No. And I'm not talking about COVID concerns. I'm talking about but stuff before, that before when they rejiggered the, the schedule, that was usually something that was forced on them. Yeah, like true. James Gunn, they fired James Gunn, so they had to push Guardians 3 back, and so they had to move something else or up. Or a movie underperformed. Or they struck a new deal yeah. with Sony, and they had to put a Spider-Man movie out by this date, or else the deal falls through, right. and so something else has to move. Those are generally the circumstances under which Marvel moves their schedule. Fair. Or Fair. COVID, obviously. Yeah, well, Because we were supposed to have gotten Black Widow and Eternals and Shang-Chi by now, and we haven't gotten any of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Doctor Strange we're supposed to have gotten that before one or not before WandaVision but immediately like the week after WandaVision was when Doctor Strange 2 was supposed oh, to come oh yeah out. that's right um, oh, so boy. everything's all been thrown off yeah now only now getting back on track but anyway so it's probably years off but that's not to say we're not going to see him as Captain America before then it's in true. other things yep. like you could easily see him showing up in Secret Invasion or yep. Armor Wars yep. or one of the other movies yep. right um, a post credit scene maybe where he shows by to, to meet to shake Peter Parker's hand at the end of the new Spider-Man movie or yep. something. Who knows, right? Like, yeah. the, Anthony Mackie's clearly game for whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, he gets to be Captain America now, right? Like, he's paid his dues for almost 10 years in these movies. Yeah. And now he gets to be Captain America. So, you know, what more What more could you ask for? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, I think it was I think it was really good. Um, my qualms with it are, and who knows? Like, oftentimes I need to watch things a second time before my feelings really solidify. <laughs> um, but I think that the, the good there more than outweighs the bad. Yeah, I just feel I like... Every episode of WandaVision, you know, with the possible exception of the finale, which felt like there were maybe some things missing there, which again, because of COVID, um, each episode of WandaVision just felt like this perfect gem, you know? Yeah. Whereas every episode of this, I'm like, that was really good, but like structurally, like why didn't they do this or that? Or like this character doesn't seem like they're making really weird choices like Walker or Sharon, right? The characters are making, why why is Sharon evil now? Sharon is evil Unless she's a scroll, which, (laughs) I mean, yes, but... That doesn't that doesn't excuse like if you were to gonna if you were to do that I feel like the way to do it would be to make her actions here believable but have them make even more sense once you discover her she's a scroll not to have the entire audience getting to the end of the show I mean I don't believe that from her because that takes you out of the show right yeah it does that's that's the kind of inelegance that I'm talking about right. so I don't know um, but again you know she's the power broker she's now back in I don't know the FBI I guess yep. Um, or the CIA or whoever she was working with before she, you know, went off the reservation yep. in the Civil War. Yep. Um, I saw somebody say that this is good setup, could potentially be very good setup for armor wars because now if she's basically going to be like looting yeah. the U.S. military industrial complex for fun and profit. Yeah. Um, what better reason to let the Stark technology, the Iron Man suit technology get out there into the world yep. than if she has like a deal that goes bad or a deal that goes exactly the way it's supposed to be and people start yep. selling it and reselling it and gets yep. proliferates, yep. right? Yep. So we could very well see her there yep. in next year or whenever that airs, right? Um, 
So yeah, I think, and, it, and you know, it obviously sets up a lot of great stuff. But you know, Walker is set up as U.S. agent. We meet Julia Louis Dreyfus's character Sharon is now set up in an intriguing place. Obviously, we get Sam as Captain America. Bucky's got this whole new outlook on life now. All of that is great. I mean, obviously, they 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 are experts by now at moving these characters forward and setting them up in interesting ways for future projects. But this project also has to stand on its own. Yes. And I feel like in some ways it was a little shakier than some of their other efforts. Mm. I still wouldn't say it was bad. I still really enjoyed it. I, I still think overall it was very it. good. Yeah. But I do think some of those issues are kind of like, to me watching it, even saying afterwards, like, why is Sharon doing this? Or like, wouldn't it have made more sense if this, this would happen? Like, why is Carly's It's interesting. Goal? I'm you just, know? I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. we were talking about the Sharon thing, too, because we were saying, oh, what sort of motivations? And like, she definitely had to lone wolf you shouldn't for have herself. To, like, right. it's one you thing to, to keep it mysterious. Yeah. But if the story is over and you're still exactly. like, wait, what was her motivation? Right. That's a failing, yes. right? Like, yes. you can't be like, oh, stay tuned for another TV series two years from now. Like... Wink. Yes, yeah. it might make sense in retrospect, but each story has to stand on its own. Also, it should. You yes. can't take a character that we've grown to care about over several movies now. I know. And make her basically evil with no explanation or very unsatisfying. Like, oh, my friends didn't call me. Basically, yeah. I mean, yes, she had to live on the run. Yada yada yada. So did Captain America. You didn't see him complaining about it. Or turning he saddled, evil. He saddled back up the second he was needed and yep. just did what needed to be done. Yeah. Right. He didn't yeah. turn evil and start selling. Shield to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it would be preposterous. And she was set up to be like, you know, ins- directly inspired by him and like one of his standard bearers, basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. like Sam or Bucky. That was his inner circle in that movie, yeah. you know? And yeah. now to have her go this far, so it just seems ridiculous, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I feel like I'm a little bit more lenient on it than you are. Um, but I look forward to watching it again. And there are definitely moments in this entire series that I look forward to, like moments between the um, the like the like the Sam and uh, Bucky with the psychiatrist or but Sam all, and Bucky it's all the or the char- speech at the end. It's oh, all, the, it's so it's all good. the character moments, yes, right? Yes, it is, like, yes. Uh, but there are lots of good deep ones I know, you know, but that like, I look forward in like to. In like Winter this Soldier, series. the movie now, which is one of my favorites, right? The character moments there are great, but the plot is really tight and exciting also, and the action scenes are fantastic, and the yeah. pacing is impeccable. Like, every scene propels you into the next, and there's something awesome happening in every scene. There's no there's no fat in that movie, right? Yeah. I feel like this, yeah. this, this series, you watch for the characters, but... You can't say a lot of that other stuff about it. And and given that this series sort of presents itself as like the direct continuation, it's got the same composer, a lot of the same cinematography, the same characters mm-hmm. as Winter Super Soldier. Cinematic, by the way. As Winter Soldier Very and beautiful. Civil War. Yep. You know, which were written by Marcus and McFeely, the same writers, and were directed by the Russo brothers. This doesn't to me this this falls short of that standard. Yeah. But you know, but I still really enjoyed it. Yeah. So that's it for our shows. Okay, that's great. So, um, yeah, if you want to reach out, we have a new mail address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. Our Twitter handle is at smartspodcast. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash smartspodcast. And our website is www.smartspodcast.com. How about a funny sound for us? I don't have one. How about... Um, you did the shield flying last week, so you can't do that I know, again. but I'm doing the arm flexing this time. I'm doing... <laughs> What's what the arm flexing? What arm, arm flexing. Flex? The metal arm? Yeah, the metal arm. Flexing it. Does it need grease? Why is it squeaking? I think it needs grease. Okay.